He is risen. Oh, you're killing me. I mentioned that my clock had stopped. This is good for you that I know what time it is. Um, but I need some of this room. <laughs> what a beautiful Easter morning. I do believe that we have sung our hearts out this morning to the Lord on this resurrection day. As we come to the scripture this morning, I picked a text, a text that for, has meant much to me as it connects um, our lives, our daily lives, our struggles and our afflictions, our, our pain, and, and connects it to a God who raises the dead. And it, and it challenges us to consider where we have put our hope. What are we hoping in? What are we relying on? And do we daily rely on ourselves? And for the future, are we trusting in us or what are we trusting in? We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 to 10. Hear then the word of God. Paul writes and he says that we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivers us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning because you are a God who raises the dead. And you have raised the Lord Jesus Christ unto life. And we long to know the power of his resurrection. Even the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings that we might not trust in ourselves. But that we would rely and put our hope in you. Oh, come and speak this word to us afresh this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> I had a flyer on my door this week. Apparently the Jehovah's Witnesses came by and left me a little something. So uh, I was reading it. I looked at it. I'm always curious. And in it, it said that they were going to have a commemoration of Jesus' death. They were going to remember what Jesus did, which is a fine thing, remembering what Jesus did. But because they don't believe that he's God... That's all they can do is remember what he did. We've not gathered this morning simply to remember, though we do that. The true church gathers to worship a risen Christ. The true church comes to worship the one who has conquered death and hell. So no matter why you came to church today, I hope that you will hear him calling you to put your trust in him. To rely on him and not on yourselves. And you would hear him calling you away from yourself. We can smother ourselves sometimes. Away from our self-confidence. Away from our self-trust. Away 
from our small little world to put our hope and our trust in a God who raises the dead. In, in Revelation 1, the uh, author John gives a beautiful picture of the risen Christ as he reveals them. And Christ speaks and he says, fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am the living one. The living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades, of hell. Jesus rose from the dead. And he says, behold, I'm alive forevermore. I'm the living one. And I hold the keys to eternal life and to eternal death. He lives and reigns as Lord and Savior. The keeper of the keys. And we've gathered to worship this one who lives forever. But whoever lives and is ever present for the help and for the lives of his people. For us, as Paul discovered in this text. Have you ever felt like that, like Paul does, that your world is coming apart? That things are out of control? Because they are, you know. You think you're in more control than you are. They are not in our control. The psalmist writes in Psalm 46, he says, God is our refuge and our strength, and he's a very present help in trouble, which was Paul and his companions were discovering. And he says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. The most stable things in our lives, really, as you walk out the door and your feet stand on the earth, Right? And a mountain, if you've ever stood before some of those majestic mountains, what is bigger, what is stronger, what is more firm and unmoving than the mountain? And the psalmist says that even if the earth should give way and the mountains be removed, God is our refuge and our strength, and he's a very present help in our trouble. And so we will not fear. And this is exactly the kind of faith that Paul is expressing in this text. You know, Paul, these guys went through it. And most of you know all that Paul and his companions went through as they brought the gospel to the ends of the earth. If they brought it into Asia Minor and crossed into southern Europe and went town to town in the reception that they received. And it wasn't always friendly. Talks about being beaten within an inch of his life by rods more than one times. Being whipped within an inch of his life. Being run out of town by mobs. And in Asia Minor, in Asia, as they preached the gospel, they had some painful trials. And he says, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced. Paul knows suffering, like few of us do. And so it's this kind of faith that Paul's expressing in the midst of these struggles, as Paul's world, in a sense, was moving and crumbling underneath him. You can hear his pain in his description. You know, the, 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 the emotion of what Paul went through, we read it in verses 8 and 9, he says, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia, because we were utterly, and if you go to these words that he stacks and you try to get the, the full impact of them, we were utterly burdened. And so you get a picture of this, the, the heaviness of the burden. And it's not just heavy, he says, it is beyond. It went beyond our strength. There was more than we could handle. I could not, could not bear it up. We despaired of life itself. We thought we were going to die. 
We felt that we had received the sentence of death. It was too much. We were overwhelmed. We'd reached rock bottom. We thought, this is it. And I don't know if you've ever been to that place. Or if you'll get to that place, there's enough in this life before it's all over to bring us to that place, the sentence of death. But he says, God brought us here for a reason. And he brings us here for a reason. God will bring you to the end of yourself. So that you will feel your need for him. He will bring you to the end of yourself. He will rock your world. The earth will shift under your feet at times so that you will reach out and seek him. Right? And that's what I want us to see, that God has a stated goal and purpose in the shaking of our worlds, which happens time again while we exist in this time and place. It happened, verse 9, he says, but this was to make us rely not on ourselves. My friends, if we've got a problem, it's this. You rely on yourself way too much. This happened so that we would not, we would stop, we would be weaned away from, delivered from, relying on ourselves and what we are able to do and accomplish, but that we would rely on God who raises the dead. And so he brings us to the end of ourselves that we would discover in our weakness his strength. We would discover him. God who can raise the dead. A God who can raise the dead can do anything. Right? We see that, right? A God who can raise the dead can do anything. And so to believe in this God, to rely not on ourselves, but on this God who can do all things. In him alone. He wants to deliver us from our human pride that is expressed in our self-confidence, in our independence, in our self-reliance as we go about our lives. We express it by ignoring him, by living for ourselves rather than on the Lord of life and death. I was thinking of this as I was reading the poem Invictus which I became more aware of because of the movie Invictus. Um, <clears throat> but it's a poem that was written, and the last two lines of the poem have become rather famous about the indomitable human spirit. And so the last two lines of, of all that has been thrown at the, at the poet, in the end, his conclusion is this, I am master of my fate. I am captain of my soul. That is, whether he means it to be or not, the essence of atheistic humanism. I am the measure of all things. I am master. I am in control. I have my fate and my destiny. You know, I have my soul under control. Thank you very much. Don't really need your help. I create meaning for my life. If I believe in myself, I can do anything. I'm in control of my world. But the question becomes, where is God in all of that? When I am so full of myself, 
Is there room for the one who raises the dead to live like we don't need him, to live like he really doesn't matter until that natural disaster breaks in or war breaks out? You can ask your average Syrian if he is in control of his own fate. Until war breaks out or until a drunk driver enters your world or your company downsizes or the market crashes or your spouse decides they don't love you anymore or someone is lost to you and we find a disease invading our bodies and we discover we are not the masters of our own fate. None of us knows what tomorrow holds and it's not promised to us. To any of us. Affliction and the pressures of a broken world. What they reveal is our weakness. What it reveals is our need for him. What it reveals is that we are not master. We are not the captain. We are not the Lord. Our afflictions teach us to not rely on ourselves. And that we need a savior. C.S. Lewis is also famous for one of his quotes in much of uh, his writing on the problem of pain. He says that God whispers to us in our pleasures. Kind of hear his voice, you know, we're too much enjoying what, you know, he whispers to us in our pleasures, he speaks to us in our conscience, we sometimes feel that conviction, and we know, but he shouts at us in our pain. It is his megaphone. To rouse a deaf world, a sleeping world, a world that thinks it's master of its own fate and thinks it's captain of its own soul, only to reveal to us that you are not, that we need him. That's what Paul is feeling utterly burdened beyond his strength. And I can tell you, I've been there many a time, many a crisis, many a struggle, many a problem, many a pain, feeling like... And it does. If it doesn't drive you to your knees, oh Lord, unless you, unless you work, unless, unless you intercede, unless you intervene, unless you heal this, unless you fix it, unless you raise us up, unless you do it, we are hopeless. But you are a God who raises the dead, a God who can change, who can utterly change any circumstance, can utterly change any heart from death unto life. And we must all face that ultimate test. When we face the sentence of death, we must all stand under that sentence. Sooner or later, it's the way of all flesh. And finally on that day, the ultimate question in that ultimate test is going to be this. Will you trust in yourself on that day? Or will you trust in him? Will you rely on yourself As Paul says, we are being taught not to do. Or will you rely on someone else, something else? When you stand before the Almighty on that day, if he should ask the question, I don't know that's how it's going to go down, but he may. If he asked you the question, why should I let you in to heaven? What would your answer be? I've done my best. I've lived a pretty good life, Lord. I've tried not to commit the big sins. I've tried to be a good person. So surely, that's enough. 
my friend, <clears throat> as gently and as honestly as I can tell you, the Bible is so clear that that is the wrong answer. That is the wrong answer. No one can stand before a holy God on the day where he brings all things to judgment, relying on their own merits and their own goodness. The Bible makes it clear. It is a devastating mistake to enter eternity relying on ourselves and hoping in our own goodness. It, to enter eternity thinking you're the master of your fate and that you are the captain of your soul. And surely the Lord will see this. Let me remind you, even so many places in the scripture, but I'll go to the familiar place even in John 3.16. And to hear John 3.16, hearing hearing that text calling you away from trusting in yourself, trusting in anything within you. God so loved the world that he didn't leave you to yourself, that he didn't leave you to stand alone on that day relying on your so-called goodness of whatever measure that may be. He so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would not rely on themselves but who would believe in him would not perish. Whoever believes in him, relies on him, trusts in him, will not perish on that day. And that's how much he loves you. That is how much he loves that he gives. God has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He conquered sin and death. Something we cannot do, will not do. He does it for us. This is Resurrection Sunday, not because we just celebrate a historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus, but we actually come to worship the risen Christ who conquered sin and death and hell and was raised to a life and sits at the right hand of the Father, ever leading, living, ever interceding, the living one holding the keys of our destiny. He is master of our fate. He will be the captain of your soul if you will rely not on yourself, but trust in him. He's opened the way for us. Jesus says in John 14, 19, because I live, you also will live. Jesus lived the life that you and I are failing to live right now. The one that we should have lived. The one that he calls us to live. No, the one he demands that we live if we will enter into his heaven. And where we fail, Jesus lived the life that we failed to live. And so he died the death that we deserve to die. And he paid the debt that we owe. And God the Father raised him from the dead, overcoming sin, death, and hell for all who will rely on him, put their faith and their trust on him and not on themselves. On that final day, will you sing out into eternity, relying on the Lord Jesus and only what he did for us? Will you today, as you would on that day, say, Father, don't look at me. Please, don't look at me, but look upon the one who bore my sin in his own body on the cross and who conquered the grave and, and is the living one who holds the keys. He is my master of my fate. I trust 
him. I rely on him. He is the captain of my soul, the lover of my soul. And I trust in him alone, not in myself. My friends, have you ever put your trust in Jesus? I mean, really put your trust, your hope, your life, your future, your now and your then, put it all in his hands, giving your life over to to him to rely and trust on him and not on you? You give him your life today, the living one who holds the keys of life and death. Paul says in verse 10, after wrestling with his own suffering, seeing where God has brought him and, and recognizing that God brought him to the end of himself, that he would look away from himself, stop being full of himself, that he would learn to rely on the one who raises the dead. And he says in verse 10, as he goes on, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us on that final day and in future circumstances on him, on him. On him we have set our hope. He will deliver us again. The Christ who delivered them from their affliction in those moments, they know it's the God who raises the dead, and they know that he will be the one in the present and in the future who is able to be their deliverer, the same Christ who would who would be present and ever-present help in their time of need and struggle is the one who on the last day will also be their present help on the moment they stand before the Lord. On him they set their hope, morning by morning, moment by moment, circumstance by circumstance, struggle and affliction by struggle and affliction, they set their hope on him. Jesus is alive. And our God is able to raise the dead so that whatever you're going through this morning, he is a risen Christ who lives and he is a deliverer and he is there for us. Maybe this morning you're just lacking direction and purpose. Some of you young people, that's a very common thing to be lacking direction and purpose, meaning in your life. When I was a teenager, I didn't grow up in the church. And by the time I reached about 18 years old and had lived that life outside, as you imagine, and by the time I was 18, the question was simply, what is the point? What's it all about? What matters? And I couldn't figure it out. I was pretty lost because nothing seemed to matter. I did not understand. God can deliver you from that. Maybe it's time to stop relying on yourself and being stuck in this small little world of your head, which is where I spent so much time. And the Lord would deliver you to lift your eyes and to see the expansiveness of his kingdom, the power over life and death and this life and the life to come and what it means to know him and walk with him and to love him and to serve him and to honor the one who lives forever and ever and holds the keys There's more meaning and more purpose, and you know what to do with in the coming years. Set your hope on Christ, who will deliver you. Maybe you are utterly, this morning, burdened beyond your own strength. You feel the sentence of death, flirting with despair. Will you look away from yourself? And even look in the circumstances and recognize, God brings us to the end of ourselves, that we would discover him. The real him, the living God, the present God, the one who is 
part of our lives who walks with us and is able to deliver us in so many ways, if from nothing else, from our fears. See, what is missing in so many people's lives from their understanding of Christianity or their experience from Christianity is simply this. A risen Christ. A living Christ. A present Christ. A keeper of the keys. A master of our fate. A captain of our souls. So many people. It's not enough to believe his doctrine. It's not enough to go to his church. It's it's not enough. The question is, do you know him and rely on him moment by moment and day by day, in time and then in eternity, daily in all things? Where have you set your hope? Your ability to deliver yourself? The machinations of faith in people around you? What, what, what are you? Where is your hope on those moments? It's somewhere. Sometimes we don't even know where. And if we stop and we look at it, we recognize it's not where it should be. And really, when it comes down to it, I'm trying to pull myself up by my bootstraps and trying to master my fate and take control of my soul in a way that the Lord has said, this is not your job. When he brings you to the end of yourself, he wants you to turn to him, to trust in him. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I am the keeper of the keys. I am the living one. I am a deliverer. He has delivered us. He will deliver us. Paul says, his, his confidence is ever in his deliverance. And if he doesn't deliver me out of this circumstance, he may deliver me directly into his presence. And that will be all right, too. You know, Paul says that in, in his letter while he's wrestling. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's like, it's a win-win. If I live, he's able to deliver me. And if I go forward, he is able to live, is to know him and to love him and to walk with him. This one who I know holds my destiny and the keeper of my fate. And he has in my future, I will sing out into eternity with his name on my lips. So, so I can live. For me to live is, is to know him and to walk with him. But for me to die is gain. Win-win. We'll stand in his presence. He promises life. The psalmist says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. Your God is a refuge for you in time and in eternity. The psalmist again, he says, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. I will rely on you and not on myself. When I'm brought to the end of myself, I will discover a living and powerful God. Will you trust him? Will you rely on him as Lord and Savior? Will you give your heart and your life to the risen Christ, to the holder of the keys, who is worthy of your trust and your faith, your life and your heart? Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you that you did not leave us to ourselves, but you are a God who so loved the world that you sent your only Son that whosoever would abandon faith and trust in themselves and, and put their trust and reliance in Christ would not perish, but would have life. Oh God, teach us 
the end of ourselves, that we might discover you as a living, risen Christ. That we might discover your presence and your power. That you might impart to us your peace and your joy, your patience and your grace. That you might invade our lives with meaning, with hope. May we empower us, O Lord, to set our hope on you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.